stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon. I'm Ken Smith, CEO of Seattle-based wealth management firm, Empirical Wealth Management. And this is Empirical Investing Radio, a show designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning ideas. My co-host is Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Ethan is a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning. Mm -hmm. Today, Ethan, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, angel investing. We got a question from a listener about it, whether it was a good time or not to approach angel investing. So I thought we could share some ideas about that. We touched upon it briefly last week, but really didn't get to fully analyze that. Right. Um, and also maybe pull out a vault item, something of a the segment we do where we look at predictions or prognostications or market overviews from from analysts in the past and see how accurate they they were okay and happen to get a piece of uh data from the fisher market update from 2007 i don't track his stuff closely but uh i thought what he was saying there was was very interesting and um we should pull that out of the vault before we get into that why don't you give out our contact information and share with listeners how we can help them, what we're offering, and also the financial advisors out there. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, as always, if you'd like to get a hold of us, um, you can reach us via email at contact at empiradio.com or directly here at the Seattle office at 800-923-4307. And uh, if you're a listener out there, just an individual investor, if you'd like to ask us a question, uh, we'd love to read it on the air. And if you did that, we'd be happy to send you one of our favorite uh, investing books as well. And, of course, if you're looking for some specific guidance about your portfolio, uh, retirement, investments, those sorts of things, we'd be uh, happy, more than happy, in fact, to, to talk with you about that as well. And, of course, if you're a professional investor, perhaps you are running your own business and looking to partner up with a, a very well-established firm, um, we'd love to hear from you as well. Certainly. Give us a call. And again, you can email us, contact at empiradio.com if you have any questions or thoughts or comments. We really appreciate the responses we've gotten so far. Yep. And uh, Ethan, you know, just maybe before we get into our segments, uh, today the market was up 30, was it 38 points at the close here, 12,394 mm-hmm. on Wednesday uh, as we record this, May 25th. So a little bit of a break from, from the few days of 
pretty harsh declines we've had. Yeah, this uh, I was looking at some of the returns uh, just prior to the show, and just for the month to date, you know, the month of May is almost over. And um, for this month, there are some asset classes that are, are down quite a bit. Uh, specifically, emerging markets value is down about 7.5% just month to date, wow. just as an example. Um, most things in the, on the equity side are negative, which should be no real surprise. Um, and some of the bond funds are up slightly is all. So, yeah, it has been a not a very great May so far. How's, uh, how's gold doing recently? Yeah, I have that here. Hang on a second. Well, the commodities um, were up today almost. Uh, the GSP, that's the uh, IPATH, S&P, Goldman Sachs Commodity Index, ETN, was up about 1.72, it looks like, percent mm-hmm. um, today. But I think it's been down from looking at this recently a little bit of a drop, but eh, not too bad over the last month. Yeah, month to date, it looks like gold's down a little bit, but uh, at least judging by the ETF, for the last 30 days, 30 days, it's about flat. So our advice is always, and we try to not just report market news or data, which I think is what a lot of the, what I see in a lot of the financial shows on CNBC and such, is a lot of reporting of things that have already occurred and yeah, yeah. I- a lot of chit-chat. I love, uh, how, I love how the vast majority of folks on, on the hour and the media really take a look at the returns and then with, the, with perfect hindsight can explain exactly why it happened. Uh, but before the fact, it's a little more difficult, as we know. Yeah, and I think we'll have an illustration of that. And I think the key takeaway, though, is regardless of what's going on day to day or month to month even in the market, um, you shouldn't be in a situation where you're constantly having to change your investment approach. That's right. So you have to build into the fact, build into your investment strategy uncertainty that there will be. Don't be surprised, I guess, is what I'm saying, by negative or positive events that occur that weren't predicted. Mm-hmm. That you have, it, once you understand that and become used to that happening as a part of your strategy, I think you'll, you'll have a lot less stress in how you approach your investments. That hey, things are going to go up, things are going to go down. I don't need to tune in and listen to Jim Cramer scream about <laughs> what I got to do today because as a result of the news that happened today, right? Um, that the market's pretty good. By the time it actually gets discussed on any of those financial news networks, that data has been pretty well analyzed. You know, By the time they bring on the experts that they find to talk about it, and as a little aside, I think it's, a little bit of an interesting comment where, or uh, observation where most advisors that I've talked to, they're not, if you said, hey, is, are, are these places um, a good place to get financial advice? Should I be tuning into these cable channels that are providing financial news and actually getting my advice there, right? Most brokers or brokers, advisors, whatever, would say no. Yet most of them want to be on those shows. <laughs> you know, if they if they could be on that show, sure. um, they like it, and so I find that a little bit of an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, right. Is it right. Ethan? That's correct. All right. Well, let's jump into this discussion um, about from our you know mailbag. You 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 you've got mail. The mail. The mail is here. Ooh. Mail call. Gather around. Everybody. Slow dance dance break. I love that clip. That's a good one. Simon did top quality work. Mm-hmm. Um, mixing that up, DJ Simone. So we got a question a couple weeks ago, and the question was, is now a good time to consider B- 
being uh, angel investing. And last week we we broadly defined what that is, and it's investing in companies that are private companies, companies that haven't gone public. They don't have shares of stock trading out on an exchange, and they're in such they're in the embryonic stages where they haven't even attracted what's in the private equity world called venture capitalists, um, where these are companies that are putting money forward in, in exchange for shares or some return. But, but, the, but usually it's after uh, the company has developed some product and has got a channel a lot of, in a lot of cases when, and they need to, in order to grow and expand, they need that next level of financing. Mm -hmm. So the angel investing we talked about is somebody who's typically a high net worth individual who's bringing in capital, maybe $10,000, it may be a million dollars, into a company in exchange for some form of ownership or shares or return very, very early on in the, in the, in the process. Um, and so when we talk about is now a good time, I think for, the, for our listeners, um, because it's never been our approach to, to talk about timing things in terms of is now a good time to be in the tech sector, is now a good time to be in this sector. Mm -hmm. We tend to focus and step back and say, well, what are the broader parameters that we should look at when we're deciding whether to engage in this investment? So when we talked about the, the real estate bubble, yep. and we said, if, if there anything we could learn from that experience, well, was then a good time <clears throat> to after the first technology bubble and the market crashed, was it a good time for people to pull all their money out of stocks and put them put them put it into real estate? <laughs> and what? Why were people making that decision? You know, was it because well, stocks had done poorly and they'll probably do poorly in the future, um, which did not that was not the case at the time that the technology or uh, real estate bubble was was going on. Stocks had done pretty well from 2003 through the yep. 2007 period. Right. Um, the funny part was this stock market collapse on the second time around was predicated by a, the real estate bubble uh -huh. um, and the lending that was going, the subprime lending that was going on there. So in, in that respect, you know, we would have viewed that and our view was, well, it's never a good time to put all of your net worth into any one asset class. True, so, true. Right? Without being a market prognosticator, we could have avoided the damage done by the technology bubble and by owning other stocks and owning fixed income if our age and risk tolerance and other other, other circumstances uh, matched up to yep, that. that. Um, and I think for many people, if you had a financial advisor and and they just got you got that right, they would pay a lifetime of, of their value and fees right? Um, you know, for reasonable fees. I think many people skip that and say, well, that's all great and good, but really what's the next hot stock or sector that we should be in? And they miss the, the vast amount of, of value that they should be extracting from that, that financial professional that they're working with. And without having someone in between, you are kind of left to your own devices. Mm-hmm. So let's let's bring this back in to this angel investing. Well, is it a good time? Well, I don't. I don't. You know, you better be in a situation where the money that you put forward in these companies, because many many uh, companies fail um, in their early stages. 
So you better be in a situation where if you're going to concentrate, instead of putting 50000 or $100,000 into a diversified index fund of publicly traded securities, and if we look at that historically, there's if you tried to get any diversification in the private equity market, it's it's not exactly clear that you would have received a much higher return than buying a broad basket of publicly traded small companies, mm -hmm. as an example. Um, there's been some statistics and research around that, as you can get it on private companies. So I'm not convinced that if you make it a rule to be diversified, that you'll do significantly better investing in private issues. Right. Um, if you're intimately involved in the company or you have some unique opportunity, my caution still would be make sure that it doesn't represent more of your net worth than you're willing to lose. And I mean, would the, would the gain that's there um, be worth it if you lost all of that capital? Right. You have to view it as a very speculative investment. I mean, even if you're talking about some initial public offerings for companies, small companies, right? Um, this, these are companies that have come to the public market that previously have been financed vis-a-vis, -vis, um, uh, not angel investing, but the intermediary, the uh, one we mentioned before. Um, it's very likely that those securities don't work out. I mean, a lot of times they, they end up failing. Of course, we, we remember with hindsight the ones that were successful, that stuck around, but there are many, many new companies that end up don't, don't making it. And so we're talking about several phases before this. Right. So that means the risk is even higher. Let's... We got to take a quick break. Let's come back and talk about this a little more, Ethan. All right. We'll be right back. We're talking about angel investing. Right be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We are talking currently uh, about angel investing and a question we received from a listener about is this a good time for to consider angel investing? And um, if you have comments or questions or other topics and examples can be an area that you're thinking about investing, the way you're diversifying your portfolio. Maybe it's a financial planning topic, Ethan. Oh, yeah. Do I need life insurance? If so, how do I figure out how much and what kind? Should I invest in annuities? Should I contribute in my 401k? Should I pick the Roth versus the pre-tax? Um, should I, what should I do outside of that? Should I lease? Should I buy? I mean, these are all questions we'd be happy to answer, right? Any question would be good. Okay. So feel free to do that. Contact at empiradio.com. We want to help help any way we can. No doubt. That's what we're talking about. And uh, the person who asked about angel investing, if I emailed them back and um, would love to send them a free investment book, but uh, I just need uh, an address to where to send it. Okay. And if you do um, email us with those, let us know if it's okay to mention your name. I don't want to do that if you're not comfortable with that kind of thing. But if I, if I can mention your name and where you're from, that'd be great. Be hey, nothing but good times. You know, Ken, I, I like it when they always say it's like, you know, hey, Bob from Tacoma. Yeah, it's Bob. Or, you know, Jim from Olympia or something. Yeah. We could do that. I like that. Just maybe name and First name and city. city, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Well, we're talking about this angel investing and um, in the broader perspective of how does it, how does a person approach this, regardless of whether it's a, a so-called good time or bad time. And I think that one of the general things is the market does tend to reprice things. If it's a good time, it may not be a good time for long because the market will become aware of of those that money. And I was reading an article, regardless of that, Ethan, we're saying, don't ever overweight. If your neighbor has some idea um, and he's starting a company and he's saying, hey, I've got this fantastic idea, maybe it's... Um, Something like I've created a laptop stand that um, <laughs> I've created a laptop stand or whatever, and I think this thing is going to be huge because you it's got a lot of nice features and blah blah blah. Right. And it may be. My point is, uh, I can be very supportive of that person. Sure. But I, would I take my life savings out to buy a million so that that person could roll into full production on something without me having an intimate knowledge of it? And even if I did, um, I'm not sure that I'd be willing to risk everything I have, you know, or derail my retirement plan completely. When I'm not really sure what the return could be, and you realize going into the break, you were talking about the number of companies, the sheer number that that get started and fail. Oh yeah, um, it's it's huge. I think it's something it's 80 plus percent, right, of probably every company that gets. Somebody that gets an idea and starts a company fails. Must be like when you have a, an individual starting up a business as a sole proprietorship. How many businesses go out of business? Yeah. Tons, right? I mean, it's it's a huge number. The vast majority. Um, so when you're talking about people who are working with angel investors or 
next or, or eventual capitalists or even get to initial IPOs, it's kind of like a filtering process. E- at each level, there are significant amounts of people who fall out or companies that fall out. Right. You know what I mean? They don't make it. Even even after they get past the venture capital stage, after even after they get past the initial public offering stage, public companies go out of business all the time. That's true. It's difficult. Now, you and I, are, we're not negative Nellies here. We're, we're not trying to take you to the bitter barn. <laughs> but what we're saying, we're very optimistic, and I think you're pro-capitalist system. Hey, investing is not no question a, a scam it. or, you know, you could... You can get caught up into it where it becomes a casino s- situation, but if you treat it like an investing uh, investment process, that you should do quite well. Most people can do well, and it could substantially improve the quality of their life by harnessing capital markets to get to where they need to go. Yeah. But it's it's when you s- w- that is doing it in a broadly diversified way, and you have discipline around what you're willing to run. You understand. The risks that you're taking, yeah, you could lose it, and you're doing it in a very calculated and prudent way. I mean, if you got if you're you're a 50 year old and you've got fifty thousand dollars and you want to retire in five years, I don't suggest you go and do an angel investing thing. Right. Yeah, but if if it's money you actually could afford to lose, and, and think about that way. Hey, if I didn't have this money, would that be an enormous problem? Would that set me off the wrong path or any other goals I have going on? If the answer is yeah, then you probably shouldn't do it. Right. If you can afford to risk it, then then maybe. And even then, you, you should be aware that could, you could you could lose money. It's one of those things. There, there's a difference between somebody who's a knowledgeable investor who's very aggressive and willing to risk it all for the hopes of of becoming um, extravagantly wealthy, a Donald Trump personality type, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, versus someone who really is is just trying to build their retirement. They yeah. don't want to risk it all. They have a family and they're trying to send their kids to college and right. That's a whole different realm, but sometimes these investments get crossed over into those different worlds, and that's all we're saying. And if we think of, uh, you know, it, right on the cover, Ethan, of the um, recent Economist that I've gotten here, it says the new tech bubble, and it's an article about irrational exuberance has returned to the internet world. Investors should beware. And uh, one of the things they're talking about is they mention angel investing, and how. Angel investors are competing for opportunities, um, and you you have companies like Facebook that are valued at estimated. Those are private still currently, but they're estimated to be valued at Facebook. I think seventy six billion is what they have listed here, and wow. um, Twitter at seven point seven billion. And as just an aside, we we've talked about how I get frustrated about how a company who who really is. What it, what what value does it create um, in, that shouldn't really be freely available on the internet anyway, being worth billions and billions of dollars, and you know sharing pictures of you know your drunk friends at a party or whatever suddenly ele- elevates into a company that's seventy seven billion dollars in value. Yeah. Um, and in essence, if there's anything wrong with our system, you know, this is just my aside opinion for whatever it's worth. It's it's that 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 a company that really has no substantial va- assets or value in terms of what they're providing can become worth that, and investors are willing to pay that when this thing eventually goes public. You have a LinkedIn that just went public, um, and they were estimating I think thirty-five dollars a share, and last Thursday I think it went out. And it was into the hundreds, and I think today it was trading at ninety-four dollars a share. Um, it's it's 
it's pretty amazing. But you've got to be very, very careful. I mean, that's 240 times its cash flow, I think, is what the value on that is. <laughs> um, wow. So if, if you're somebody that's pursuing these opportunities, um, and it is interesting how there are some similarities, and they talk about it in the article. I've seen it on various other news networks here about, are we getting back into another technology bubble? And how can we go, how can people jump right back into this stuff um, with, you know, within arm's reach here of a decade of just going through this? Mm -hmm. um, but now it's not happening in the publicly established publicly traded market. It's it's going on in, in, the, um, in the private side of things. And so if you're, you know, they were saying that angel investors here basically are, are skimping. The words is they're... Um, the bubble is being pumped partly by wealthy angel investors, some of whom made their fortunes in the late 90s in the IPO boom. Their financial power, firepower has increased as they are battling, um, <clears throat> and they are battling one another for stakes in web startups. In some cases, angels are skipping on due diligence to win deals. When it comes to investing in established, more established companies like Facebook and the bigger web firms, traditional venture capitalists now face competition from private equity companies and bank-led funds hunting for bleak investment environment. My caution here and on this whole thing, Ethan, we'll move on, um, is anytime people are just itching to throw money somewhere because they don't want to stick with a diversified strategy, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, that's... You, you, the, the approach, and you look at the history of these of bubbles going back thousands of years. Um, it, it, the, the real justification, and it's people are saying it's different. You know, they're already, they're saying in here, well, this is different. You know, these companies are different than the, the, the internet companies that went under in the mm -hmm. tech crash, um, the pet dot com, and those kinds of places. Um, and I was saying, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it that hard to to currently re engineer a Facebook or a LinkedIn or a, a Twitter um, as far as competition goes? Is there that much? Now that that door has been kicked open and there's a demand there, will it be that hard to recreate those? I mean, what? how long did it take your, you know, our younger people's friends here to move from Simon and I, Simon's a younger guy, and we were talking about how long did it take him to move from MySpace to Facebook? Um, and yeah, is, right. it, is it really Facebook that they're in love with? Is it Mark Zuckerberg that these guys are no it's what Facebook's offering them it's the function that it gives they don't care that it's there's no love about Facebook if it was you know yourgrill.com instead of Facebook I, and it had nicer features and everybody was moving to it they would move overnight so what, what what am I saying about that would I put a large concentration on my personal wealth in something that I have so far removed from and so many unpredictable forces driving the value of that thing um, there's no hard, real hard assets there. It's hoping that people will continue to advertise on it and the users won't get fed up or bothered by that advertising. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it, it shouldn't be in a portfolio in a diversified way when it gets to the public market. But historically, again, the research I've seen shows that you shouldn't expect much higher return on those um, if you try to diversify. And I, you know, is it a good time? you know, our, our listener, it really depends on your personal situation and the opportunity you've been presented. You have to determine that based on your personal risk factors. 
but I wouldn't get to a situation where I was worried about missing out on an opportunity. And so you're rushing into something because you think now is a good time. If I can give that last word of caution on this topic. Right. We've got to take a quick break, Ethan. We'll come back and we'll dive into the vault segment. Sounds good. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Entrepreneurship is the most exciting and misunderstood career in the world. Win or lose, entrepreneurs always get back up, ready to fight another day. Anthony Lacopo, an ambitious entrepreneur, tackles a key question about entrepreneurship, talks to real entrepreneurs, and shares his personal experience in dealing with the issues faced by most of you, whether you're just starting up or managing a company that wants to change the world. Tune in to The Entrepreneur with host Anthony Lacopo, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to empirical investing radio with ken smith and co-host ethan broga to call into the program with a question or comment please dial 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 you may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com now back to ken and ethan all right and we're back to empirical investing radio uh, appreciate you joining us today, and Ken, for our next next topic coming up here. Oh, hey, you know, before we get to that, yeah, let me give out the contact information one more time. All right. Uh, as always, you can reach us at contact at empiradio.com, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have a question, uh, we and you're okay with us reading on the air, we'd love to do that. And for that, we'd give you one of our, our favorite books about investing. And if you want to talk to us directly at any time, you can call us uh, here in the Seattle office, ask for Ken or Ethan, and just mention the radio show. And the number is 800-923-4307. All right, Ken, so I think we're ready. What's, uh, what's yeah, next? Either, topic before today? we jump into that next topic, I want to I throw something out there. Um, you know, if you had an hour of time, um, I guess I want to comment on why, why are we giving out educational books? I, I don't know if most stockbrokers or whatever really make it a, 
a point to educate say, <laughs> educate yourself. <laughs> right. Um, historically, that hasn't been my experience. Yeah, true enough. Um, well, why are we? Why do we do that? Why do we want our listeners, our clients, our friends? Why Why would we want them to invest any time in educating themselves in the books that we would give them? Yeah, well, I think the more t- the time that any client would dedicate to learning more about how best to invest obviously would have a big impact on their whole life, right? Yeah. And our view, I mean, my personal view is that we spend a lot of time educating clients as clients about what we do. And we feel like, hey, the more they know about what we do, the better job we, <laughs> they'll think we're doing for them, which is true. And we have the evidence to support that type of stuff. So um, it's valuable time well, well spent. And do you think it's interesting? I, I think I come across investors just, you know, a lot of times they don't even know I'm a financial advisor, right? I'm just in various personal life situations. And yeah, sure. I hear people talking or they engage me in conversation. And I I think it's an interesting perspective when you think about, um, they know a lot about current events. You know, they've spent hours of time reading. Sometimes it's doomsday articles that they find on the web, right, or in magazines. could be a Forbes or a Fortune magazine or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it's it's positive things like, hey, is now a good time? You know, for example, I've, should I be buying, getting in early on tech, private tech companies or whatever? But if you actually, I asked them, um, how, how much time have you spent reading about how uh, capital market theory or finance, right, or portfolio theory? Have you picked up any textbooks or books on that? It's virtually none, right? Yeah, a, sure. a, lo- a lot of the very same people. But they've spent countless hours just basically dealing with what I call information. Yeah. Um, and information is a fact or an opinion that you can gather versus the knowledge of how something actually works. You know, how can I use this to, I may have a lot of information about the features of something, maybe it's a TV set or whatever, but do I, do I actually understand how it works? You know, have I read the manual? You know, I can know that, hey, this is the best rated TV. And I and I, I just feel like we make a commitment to that, and we try to, we're giving out free, not because we have something to sell there. Um, it's because we really do want to see people better educated. The framework that we're trying to position things is we want to talk about current events and talk about what's going on in markets and, and out in economies around the world. But we also want you to have a framework that teach Amanda Fish analogy mm-hmm. to make a lifetime of smart financial decisions and give you the peace of mind that you don't have to be up on hours and hours of, of daily market news to be a good investor. Right. And in fact, it the research has shown, the empirical data has shown that those who trade less have tended to have higher returns, strategies that have lower turnover, that mm-hmm. are more diversified mm-hmm. tech have higher rates of success than active traders who are in an, the market inundated with market data all day long. It's right. a, it's it's documented, um, and there's a reason for that. It's because there's a structure to investing, a framework, and once you get that, you can have that peace of mind of knowing, hey, I don't have to be trying to interpret the events in the Middle East necessarily on a day-to-day or what's going on with gold or what's going on you know, with the... T- this current news about the tech bubble. Mm-hmm. I think that leads right into our... Do you have any comments about that before we move into this segment? Well, I'll just say, if you're, if you're, if you're taking the news day-to-day and trying to figure out how best to invest, you really are, you're changing your mind probably quite a bit. Right. <laughs> For one thing, that goes to the turnover thing that you mentioned previously. But bigger than that, if you're making changes based on the day-to-day events, 
um, you're relying on you, you as a human being, processing that information accurately and correctly, you know, in order to make the right decision in the investments. Um, humans are not good at that. We have feelings, and the nature of the news and the nature of things going on in the world will make us react a particular way that may be entirely incorrect as term in terms of how best to make uh, in smart investment decisions. And that that happens all the time. You know what I mean? Let me, let me ask you this: in, in the bottom of the market in 2009, in March, we have feelings. Did anybody feel good about investing? But guess what? In hindsight, now it was the best possible time to be invested. If you if you had a global equity global equity portfolio from that point today, you're up 130 percent. But you didn't feel good about investing. So I I really would caution you about taking the, the day's news and, and any any little factoids and turning it into an investment recommendation is is highly suspect. That's true. All right, Ethan. Well, with that, let's... Uh, Do you have any more cute sound effects? Uh, <laughs> anything else to go with that? <laughs> Come on. No, I'm just happy to be here. All right. Um, very happy. Let's let's do this vault segment here. If you could... Oh, hang on a second. I've got a piece of data. I might need some help. Uh, I can't quite... Hang on. Okay, I got it. For those of you... That okay. are new to the show. We've got thousands of new listeners coming in all the time, pouring in. It's like a, it's like a tidal wave. We're on a global basis, and I appreciate appreciate that. I think they're they're more supporting what we're doing than than any one man like yourself, Ethan. But what we have here, uh, Mike Van Sant, one of our advisors, um, was able to get his hands on a copy of Fisher Investments Stock Market Outlook published uh, in 2007. This is their part three. Hmm. And for those of you who don't know, Ken Fisher is a uh, uh, an advisor. He has a very large firm. I believe it's in the multi-billions that they manage. Yeah, like 30 billion uh, or something. He's a columnist in Forbes magazine. Yep. And we've taken issue with various things that, that he's either published and he wrote an article at one point in time and I, again, I don't follow him closely. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, I know he, he's a very aggressive marketer and, and there's a lot of That's for sure. on the web. I see advertisements constantly. Even on our radio program section of the Voice America, there's Fisher advertisements popping up. Right. And, um, and I've gotten some of his, his marketing literature in the mail myself. And his 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 story kind of goes that that he's um, got strategies to help you beat the market in essence, right? Because otherwise you wouldn't with his approach, which is more of an active approach of either selecting specific investments um, and adjusting those allocations. And historically, I believe it's there's been an adjustment to stocks versus bonds. So there's not a um, uh, it's it's from what I know. And again, forgive me if I if I'm not if I make any mistakes here in in describing. I'm not trying to provide an accurate or completely comprehensive depiction of how, what they're doing there. But I have read what I've read, um, and and I've met with clients that have come sure. there. And yeah. what 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 was what I've understood is, hey, we're supposed to be kind of anal analyzing what's going on in the market mm -hmm. and then adjusting our portfolio relative to that market data that we've got, our view on what the market's doing. So we might be very bullish at times, we might be very, we might be bearish. And because of that, we may make adjustments to our allocation of stocks to bonds. And then within those stocks, the areas in which we might invest, I might, he might weight in different areas more or less 
than others based on his analysis or the company's analysis on what's going on. Yeah, which is not that much different than most active strategies. Most active, active meaning, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to better interpret the data than you, the individual investor, and therefore you should work with us and I'll make the better calls and over time I'll have, we'll have better market reading returns. That's the general idea. Yeah, I think the only difference is really this could be the Fisher Mutual Fund, right? Yeah. It's just that he's doing it um, just as we do on an individual basis. So each client probably opens an account and they have their own set of investments in that account, mm -hmm. just like we do at Empirical, rather than being pulled into a mutual fund. Yes, right. And he may, he's buying individual securities, I believe, individual stocks to to fill in the portfolio. They'll buy stocks, uh, ETFs, uh, that sort of thing, I think, yeah. Now, our view, whether it's in a mutual fund, and I actually put those two in the same, the strategy is what's more important to me. Not the box, the wrapper, right. you know, that it goes, the candy that's inside the wrapper is really what's important. Whether he's picking individual stocks in your account and you hold them, or you buy a mutual fund that does it, the actual difference, you know, he talks about, I think there was one of the things we looked at was an article we said, I hate mutual funds. Yeah, I remember that article. But really, it's not the mutual fund, you know, that's the problem. It's the strategy. I'm more, I'm not, I'm not so concerned about, particularly with ETFs being available now. Um, there's a huge case to be made that they're a much, much better approach than having someone pick individual stocks in your account for you mm -hmm. um, in a lot of cases. Sure. So I would take a major issue to that. Um, we probably should write an article about that of our own. But this, let's get into this. So why is this in the vault segment? Well, for those of you, again, who are one of the new listeners, we're, we're trying to track um, people's, you know, too many, too often there's predictions being made all the time, but no one's being held accountable to these predictions. Uh, very rarely do we go back and go, oh, yeah, I remember somebody, this guy or that guy was telling me to buy more tech stocks in 1999, and this company was advertising like crazy the technology fund they were touting <laughs> yeah. um nobody it's very rare that people go back and go wow those guys should be banned from the business you know um and we're gonna have to take a quick break but i think some of the things that were mentioned in here um I mean, the title of this report 2007 stock market outlook part three fear not be bullish is the title executive summary um we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to this be right back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you looking to soar with the eagles instead of being grounded with the turkeys? Why not have a gorilla help you out? 
Listen every week for Innovate, Leap Out of the Bowl with host Joby Dixon. Joby has made a living out of helping organizations and individuals become more creative, inventive, and innovative. The show closely parallels Joby's book of the same name. It'll include the process to innovate, how to rewire your brain for creativity, exercises, case studies, and more. Tune in to Innovate, Leap Out of the Bowl, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. You better believe it. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Ethan, we're in the vault segment. Perfect. We're digging deep, and we're talking about Fisher. Uh, Fisher Ken, Ken Fisher, right. Fisher Investments. They are an advertising machine. And I was, uh, we're pulling this out of the vault because we, we happen to get a copy of uh, the stock market outlook that he published in 2007. And it looks like it was the second half of the year, so... Uh, because they talk about the second quarter end, which would be June June 30th. Um, and the title of, of this being Fear Not, Be Bullish was the executive summary. Uh, and I'm and again, I, I mean, I'm sure you can call them and probably get a copy of this because we don't have time to read the whole thing in fairness. But, uh, you know, right here in the first per- sentence paragraph, um, as we forecast in January, stocks are well on their way to a good or perhaps great year. We expect the bull market run will continue in the back half of the year. I think the market peaked out, what, in October of 2007 and then Correct. started the precipitous fall. Our, uh, the bullish themes in our recent outlooks remain remain intact. Um, and as you go through the discussion... I'm just going to skip back to what I thought was a very bold prediction relative to what happened. Um, there's a towards the back here, page 15 of this update to additional risk factors, appendix five here. Uh, during the second quarter, sentiment remained less than optimistic. Subprime worries heightened, bitter U.S. political r- rhetoric. Um, such and so forth, but we believe the status quo will continue its reign through the rest of 2007, maintaining a benign environment for stocks to thrive. And then there's a subtitle here, the paragraph, housing and subprime still posing no threat. We've detailed our thoughts on subprime lending and its perceived market fallout in the past outlooks. Our views have not changed. We continue to believe the U.S. housing market does not pose a significant threat to the U.S. economy or the stock market. In fact, the subprime story broke earlier this year. Since the subprime story broke, uh, 
earlier this year, stocks in the global economy have chugged along nicely. Um, subprime continues later in this. It says subprime continues to be a relatively small part of the overall mortgage market and an even tinier, tinier component of the aggregate credit market. Um, so basically, in this report, he's saying, I mean, I don't even have to explain what he's saying in here. <laughs> and He's saying, don't worry about it. He was very bullish. Yeah. Um, and basically saying, now, uh, what does all this mean? It's not really to, when we do this, it's not to try to harm someone else's business model or any of that. But any strategy that we think is damaging to an investor, we want to talk about it. And then we want to talk about why wouldn't we do, why would we not follow this kind of advice? Because certainly, I think it's in all fairness, he's made predictions that have probably turned out to be accurate. And I think in the, that guru, what's that website, the guru, investment guru site that rates yeah, newsletters right. and prognosticators, I, don't, I think he's done better than most of these guys. Now, that doesn't mean it's something that we would advise doing, but um, my point in reading this and pulling out of this, the, the vault was, I'm sure he's not emphasizing these, these wrong predictions. Um, and if you were a new investor and you just happened to start, particularly when you, if you're in a strategy that discounts um, the risk factor in terms of the risk management processes, we'll get you out of stocks before they go down. And I had met a, um, an individual a few years back in Alaska that was following a newsletter very similar to this kind of a strategy mm -hmm. um, and or working with this, this where it was about, I think this is Bob Brink or whatever, but his, there was a strategy where, where his risk management theory was, I will reduce my exposure to stocks when I perceive risk in the stock market. Um, and so it was, yeah, I might go to no stocks. And I might be all stock. And this was a retired individual, by the way. Mm -hmm. So someone who was 60s plus. And I was saying, well, why would you do that when you look at the returns and look at the diversif globally diversified portfolios that we're constructing using passively managed funds, just broadly diversified low-cost funds? Um, there's a lot of value in having someone guide that process. But why would you engage in a, in a strategy that at times you are exposed to significantly higher risk to get, on average, when you look at the returns on a lot of these strategies, they're not any better than if you just put 50% in the S&P 500 and 50% into a total bond index. Yeah, right. Yeah, there were times where that portfolio is going to go down because 50% of it is stocks. Yeah. So if the S&P dropped, what, 47% in this last market decline, mm -hmm. and half of it was in stocks, and the bonds did an average, you know, maybe they did 5 or 10% in that year. Yeah, you're still going to have a 20% drop to, you know, 22%. But, you know, actually it was already recovered um, substantially from the bottom, as you mentioned. And then if you were doing a, a more global portfolio like we were doing, you're actually in the positive already. You know exactly what your risk is. Um, versus, say you came in and you read this article in 2007, you said, hey, no problem. You know, my other advisor told me I should be in a 60% stock portfolio, and I shouldn't just own, you know, a handful of stocks. I should own a whole, you know, 15,000 stocks around the world. But I'm going to throw that out the window because Fisher tells me everything's cool, and I should be in all equities. 
And I haven't had the benefit for being an investor of his during the good predictions. This is my first experience. It's not too good. Um, particularly, you know what I mean? If you read, some, because they send these things out, but I, what, what are your thoughts here, Ethan? Yeah, I think you got a big, if you're, you're, you're making calls about being in the market or being out of the market, and that's part of the process, part of the protection process you have built right. in, it's fundamentally flawed. No one's going to get it right often enough to justify the risk in you taking on the strategy, right? Yeah. Um, it isn't, obviously, we're, this is a, in the vault, and it was at that particular time. Very shortly afterwards, it was pretty evident that things didn't work out that way, you know, very, very well for all stock investors at that time. Um, so hanging your hat on a prediction or a series of predictions is, is, is not fundamentally a good idea in my view. You can be wrong. And the, the consequences for being wrong are enormous for many folks. Well, and, and furthermore, this when once you start engaging in this behavior, you know, once you subscribe to this stuff, yeah, um, it it leads you down a list of psychological issues right. that are very difficult to navigate through. So, you 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 read this, you get in stocks, you know, in two thousand seven, and then the market starts tanking, and so then you get frustrated and you get out, right. Ultimately, and I don't know. Again, I I just got handed this report. All I know is that what was in here is uh, diametrically not what happened, you know, opposed <laughs> to what happened. Right. And not because Ken Fisher is, is an idiot. Not I think at he's all. A, he's probably incredibly bright I'm guy. Sure, that's true. The problem with any of these guys, and you know, what makes them ape-like, you know, in terms of when we make those jokes, is not that they're they're not brighter guys than you or I are. It's that they they're overconfident to the to the degree where they think they can predict unknown future events. Right. Well, Ethan, we've got to stop here. I know you want to go on all night. The fire no is, quit. is burning within you. It's no quit. But uh, we've got to stop. We'll be back next week with more exciting, useful information on Empirical Investing Radio. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 